This podcast contains explicit language, really explicit language. Listeners of this show should be advised that we will deal with a cult that has certain ideas that are... Um... They're fucked, Paulina. Yeah, they're really fucked. We'll be dealing with all the ist, oughts, and ites. Racists, bigots, anti-Semites, misogyny, certainly. And ooh, eugenics. Kicking it old school with eugenics. Certainly a very old way to be racist. But you've got to remember, MGTOW and everything we're talking about is a cult. Uh, No matter what they say, nothing they say is real. And we love you. We absolutely love you. Thank you for coming along on the ride. And we're sorry already. (laughs) (laughs) A clip coming up later in the show. Are you exhausted from constant nightmares about the matriarchy and how men might be treated like factory farm cattle and milked for their sperm? What you are about to hear is the Hashtag Cult Podcast. What is a Hashtag Cult? Hashtag cults are groups that signal membership by using a hashtag or keyword. This allows the group to operate on many different sites and makes them difficult to pinpoint. They use the hashtag model to spread propaganda on a variety of social media platforms without having a central account. This is usually because their ideas are offensive or their methods of communicating are abusive and border on website policy violations. In this show, we will show you the coercive groups and cults hiding in plain sight on the internet. Who the hell am I? Who cares? Who the hell are you? So my name's Tony Naj. I'm a comedian, a writer, Hold a on, director. Tony. I got interrupt. Oh yeah. I got interrupt you. Tell no, me. No YouTube introduction talk. Do, oh, like do we, do what am match? I? Yeah. Who am I? Well, well, no. Oh no, not that either. Knowing, no, no. Like I guess maybe I think it'd be interesting though. I would want to know that. But let's let's all. I get such weird vibes where I like because I like real Tony so I don't want people to be afraid you don't have to be a radio professional at all Tony who are you and let's let's take it again and this time not not worse but better Um, (laughs) I like directors like that no just just less shit um, not that you, you did great, you did great, you did great. I always hate directors that start everything with like, awesome, we need to redo it all, I want to burn that take. Like, <laughs> you know I'm on the same set, right? Like That was great, that was great. Everything's perfect, just do it all different. Yeah, just, I like that, but it's, it's if you didn't read the script, did you? Because did you, because did you? I'm just curious, do you always suck or is it just yeah. right now? I get that. I like the choice to make the character dumb and stupid and shitty at acting, but I think <laughs> I envisioned it as a good character. If you could, if you could, if you could not, if you could, um, I'm just going to go yell, but it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. <laughs> this woman! <laughs> okay. That's so, funny. So let's like, who are you? Let's let's just be. I know that sometimes because I know that sometimes people come on these on podcasts and they want to sound really radio professionally, 
but you're this very when when you meet you in person, you're this very natural person. So I I'm, I want to let people know. Feel no need to come on and sound like a radio professional. Feel no need to sound whatever or pretentious. Let's let's try it again. Who the hell don't, are you? Don't feel like you need to sound like the pretentious bitch that you are. Just right. sound like Thank a better you version. For saying what all of me was thinking. So- <laughs> okay. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, we're keeping all of this in. So, so people see <laughs> what we're like. Um, so who are you? Okay. My name is Tony Naj and I am a comedian above all things. I'm a comedian. Yeah. You are a filmmaker as well. I think, I think that's fair to say. Yes, and yeah. I'm also a writer. I'm a yeah. compulsive writer. Really? That sounds... Do you, do you take medication for that? What, what, is, what does compulsive writer mean to you? Uh, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think there are a lot of different types of artists in this world, but there's something about the writer that has this specific archetype where it's almost as if I cannot process my pain or my life mm. without writing it down in some format. Wow. So everything that ever happens to me, I have to write it down. That's so, we're definitely going to get into that today. So let's play for the people here. Tony and I made a sketch. Uh, one of the things we're trying to do here is make the, the, the topic of cults approachable so that people will be interested in a non-morbid way. Um, so let, well, I'm going to play here. We're not going to hear it now, but I'm going to play into the podcast the audio of the sketch you and I did um, called, I think, Troll Control is the name of it? Troll Troll Control! Troll Control! Troll Troll Control. We should have added more of those. Maybe we'll add them. More like Troll Control. That's pretty scary. I love that. All right. Yeah, like that radio energy drink (laughs) voice. (laughs) Can I tell you? Wait, we'll play the clip right now. Are you exhausted from constant nightmares about the matriarchy and how men might be treated like factory farm cattle and milked for their sperm? No, give me my wieners back, you female. You can't have my sperm. You can't have it. That's my man liquid. Do your dreams of women overpowering you make you feel too tired to troll women on the internet? I've tried scapegoating my emotions by typing misogynistic things on the internet. Some days I can only rage for four hours. I should be typing things all the time. Well, have I got the solution for you. Troll Control. Troll Control is the energy drink for men to troll women on the internet. Troll Control empowers you to control women that you actually have no control over. When I first started taking my aggression out on the internet, I typed for 26 hours a day. Oh, excuse me, I think you made a slip of the tongue. There's only 24 hours in a day. Did you mean to say 24? A woman probably told you that. They're statistically worse at math. But now I can get interrupted by some slut thought about math and still type for 95 or 7,000 hours a day. Avoid that midday lull. Troll control. And I hope you get effed by a very big fart dog. That'll show her to post about her new business on social media. Thanks, Troll Control. Thanks, Troll Control. Thanks, Troll Control. 
Thanks. Troll control. If you found, actually, if you found a vial of sperm, clearly a sperm bank thing, would you bring it to the lost and found wherever you were? Can I tell you something that I always do when I listen to the radio? Okay, do you know those intros on radios where they're like, hey, it's your boy, Justin Timberlake. I will always, and they'll be like, you're listening to K107222. You know what it, whatever it is. Whenever someone says, hey, it's your boy, I make everyone be quiet that I'm around and go, stop, it's my boy. Everyone. <laughs> I wasn't going to listen. Up. Shut up, you. <laughs> my boy is on the radio. Yeah. Hey, it's your boy, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Shh. Hey, it's your boy. Tony, shut up, Justin Bieber. It's my boy. I wasn't <laughs> aware. This just is anyone. It's my boy. And I wasn't aware he was my boy until now. So this is like a lot of news for me and I'm just processing it. So yeah, I approached you because we've been talking, we interviewed Todd Glass, we um, wrote our own sketch like that was with um, some really great comics. We'll do a whole episode on that uh, about what a cult is. And then I was like, Tony makes internet videos. Let's make an internet video together and try and make this thing approachable by saying something what did you think i mean have you have you heard how i don't know how much of the show you've heard i know you know the the idea of it but what did you think when i approached you about making a thing about migtow uh, a, which by the way i've been told to say this if this is your first episode now that me and tony have been funny start over start from the beginning g g get back to here because this is a sequential seasonal show um, and you'll know about MGTOW and all those things we're talking about. But what did you think when I approached you, Tony, about doing an, a, a sketch about this group? Well, this is actually a group I've been interested in for a bunch of years. I would say even before the Trump presidency, it was something that was on my radar. But I think when Trump became president, that was when the alt-right movement really kind of had this resurgence or a sort of like branding opportunity. Everyone was talking about it. I've also listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson in my past, and he was a character that I was hyper interested in because I saw him as a highly problematic intellectual, and he is kind of the godfather of a lot of these MGTOW movements or alt-right thinking. So this is something that's been on my radar for a long time. I've also done a couple of videos about the topic. So when yeah. you approached me, I actually was like, oh my God, I have a sketch in my computer about troll control, which I've always wanted to do and I never got around to doing. Yeah, so you had the main sketch of, uh, uh, just so people know production-wise, you had this main sketch of troll control and literally, as if by kismet, one of my pitches was a not not an energy drink. One of my pitches was like, creating a sketch around the idea of I think the exact line in the email is I think something funny around how a method in which they get all this energy because or or to talk about how like make a motivational speaker about how you could have more energy if you trolled on the internet and Tony was like literally this is the this energy drink sketch is that and so then we added to it more specific MGTOW things um, to work in what we're what we're working with, and then, but that's really, I think I added the the joke fart dog. Um, fart dog was my favorite joke. Thank you, thank you. I know we're on my show, but yes, thank you. Uh, I that was all we did, and then I'll tell you one other edit we made to it. So um, we'll get let's get into the thing you said first. But there was only one other edit that I made, um, and so yeah. 
it's interesting with MGTOW too, because they are a cult, as M, but they operate in this same group to a lot of people on the internet as alt-right um, or other people, you know, really to our mind, you know, I don't like to, just to, just to see where I'm coming at, I don't like to talk about groups I haven't personally investigated, you know what I mean? So I'm actually mm-hmm. trusting your expertise on that. But we group all these things from the outside, and that's one of the ways that MGTOW, which is really pushing their philosophy on members, really targeting vulnerable people, which I assume that these other internet groups are doing as well, and then getting all that anger out, no matter what the organization is, through trolling, through scapegoating their emotions. But it's it, that's actually how a cult like MGTOW hides in plain sight. Because we know that we assume, we take for granted, right? Like, oh, people are going to troll on the internet or these people are going to, you know, say all this stuff on the internet. But that's how they hide in plain sight. And so we group them with stuff. Now, I don't know about the alt-right. I know lots of people have done works on it. Um, but I've heard as well that they are probably a hashtag cult and that they are probably doing the exact same stuff. So it's so interesting that that's how you came to it. Jordan Peterson, which again, this philosophy, I, I, I'm more bouncing this off of you to see what you think of it. We only do like interviews where someone actually talks to us. So if someone says that they were influenced or not influenced by Jordan Peterson, then we would research them. You know, when they actually talk to me, the people that we've talked, the anonymous subjects. Or if Jordan Peterson reaches out, then I would talk to him. Or if, if someone said this is part of the story, we would include him in the story. But what's interesting is Jordan Peter. I'd love to hear what you think of this. Jordan Peterson is often listed amongst MGTOW, amongst Red Pill cults, amongst a lot of these pickup artists, motivational people, as also a negative figure. And they'll, they'll kind of do this cult thing where they'll say, well, we're not like him. Even though, like you see, very clearly you're aping stuff he's doing and he's created this audience, you know. But they'll, but it, it, I find that fascinating that they will use it as this, like, you know how people, cults say we're not a cult. They'll say, like, oh, well, I'm not like Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I mean, I think the reality to me is that these people have existed for a very long time and what's happened through the internet and through different intellectual dogmas is that they are galvanized to come together and admit their feelings or their frustrations or their ideology Mm -hmm. so it's not like trump created racism but trump is a beacon for racists to feel emboldened to admit their racist beliefs and thoughts Mm -hmm. and therefore it's easier to come together and organize So I think with Jordan Peterson as a figurehead, he was speaking a language that a lot of people were getting behind. And the process of getting behind the language was the beginning of the cult-like behavior of coming together. Mm -hmm. So whether or not he maintains himself as the Messiah isn't necessarily (laughs) relevant. It's more that that was a, a push towards people coming together and organize because like I've been a woman on the internet for a long time in a variety of different (laughs) platforms and I have been trolled and stalked and threatened Mm -hmm. for you know my entire internet experience like none of that's new that's not like what's happening like that's been happening but I think the organizing it's was is the new part Mm -hmm. it's the collection it's the coming together it's the community aspect yeah. And I think it's community that people are always looking for um, 
And when you can come together, it's on the one hand healing for the person, but it can also be really dangerous. Yeah. And that was like one of the things that we wanted to make this choice about. So one, one of the ideas is with these, the, the group, the MGTOW, when they resist, when we talk to them about it, and we're, we're very nice to them. One of the things they'll say is like, well, you're all liberals and leftists and all these things, but you know, th that's not really uh, relevant to a group as isolated as MGTOW. So we were resisting for a while, giving voice to the idea of, hey, like you're trolling people. You're really like being mean to people on the internet. This behavior does exist. Stalking, which is an element we would need, we definitely need to get into to talk about, you know, safety in terms of people, you know, being on the internet, especially from what I've heard women. Like we wanted to resist giving voice to this idea that, that these, these trolls exist outside of this because of the way MGTOW operates because they really are now something totally, an entity totally other. They really are, you know, an entity that grooms and indoctrinates and does all these different things. And we've talked to ex-members who say, you know, I was just lost in the world. I didn't believe or even know about any of these things about women. I had dated very few people and I was scared. And these people gave me an answer. But then once you're in this group, now, now you're you know, now, now you have a totally separate thing that gives you safety and, and you can't get away from it. And that's the, the cult element. But because I know so many women creators, because I try to, I know this is crazy, Tony, I try to work with an equal amount of women as I do men. I, I know that's an insane idea. I was like, at some point we need someone to give voice to the fact that this is annoying and like people view these people as like, they don't care that you're in this political movement. They don't care that you're in this cult. You're, t like, abusing people on the internet. And it's not cool. And so I'm really glad that we got to do it in, like, a funny way. Um, yeah, I guess if it's not, like, just getting so intense, let's, let's get into, like, what, 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 uh, what your, let's hear the horror stories, you know? So when I had my... A daughter. I started a blog. This was 10 years ago. You know, it was kind of the beginning of the mommy blog phenomenon. And I had a, a young baby and I was like looking for a creative outlet and a space to put some of the thoughts I was having. Because for me, parenting is a very philosophical journey and you really understand human psychology and the human condition by watching a child grow. So I started this blog and my identity was like, oh, I'll be like a reverent mommy, funny blogger chick. I was writing for Huffington Post and Salon, a couple others. And I had this guy who would write me almost every day about raping me or killing me or like wow. raping my daughter, who at the time was three. And he would do this so often that there and I never responded. I was like, I'm not going to respond. But his words were like so disturbingly poetic. Sometimes I'd be like, holy shit, is this iambic pentameter? Like, you need to go to a literary agent. Like, you are very imaginative. 
And then like one day he just stopped and it was just <laughs> gone for like two weeks. And then I found myself like worried about him and I'm like, oh my God, are you okay? And then like I finally got Tony. a message like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, I'm going to tie you to a tree and rape and kill you. And oh, I was like, God. oh my God, I was so worried about you. Mom, he, mom, he said he's going to rape me. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. So, you know, what I learned from that experience um, was one, I felt like he was honestly using me as a creative outlet. Like mm -hmm. he was actually trying to write well, which I thought was kind of interesting. And two, you know, I did feel like maybe he had trauma or he was disturbed in some way. Like I just don't see that behavior as coming from a really like well-adjusted happy person mm -hmm. so i know like when there's a lot of women that are inundated that are like more successful more famous than me or whatever and they're inundated with this type of comments and for them it's very paralyzing mm -hmm. like i i've done a a 10-day silent meditation retreat i've actually done it twice and i really had to come to terms with the fact that like i cannot get attached with either positive or negative comments on the internet like if i attach to the positive comments i have to equally attach to the negative ones mm -hmm. so it's been a mental practice to kind of not really feel attached to either because i'm always going to be getting both but i do fundamentally believe that anyone that's taking the time and effort to write hateful stuff on the internet, it's like, it's not coming from a place of being self-evolved. It's coming from a place of like a lot of unresolved emotional trauma. Yeah. So I just kind of keep going back to that. And, and, and of course, the thing that we get pushed back against is I say, you know, they go, well, that's just the internet. And I go, why? Do you not like, you know, and people will say it's this unsurmountable thing. And we've shown through evidence the people writing these negative comments are very now. I want to give voice to this as well. There's a very small, a very small community on the Internet who is like roast comics and they exist in their own areas. They're really not the people we're talking about. And, and they, they comment to each other very viciously or whatever. And they want that. It's usually in forums where that's what they want. Those aren't the people we're talking about. And we've found that the people that write these hateful comments, when because we're really the only ones interviewing them and saying like, hey, why did you comment? They all say, well, I'm not like that, but I definitely do come from trauma. <laughs> you know? Right. And it's this weird disconnect. And there's this pushback where we go, uh, you know, I, uh, it's so interesting that this idea of philosophically growing because of negative comments on the internet. And it's like, well, I guess Tony's a better person now, but she didn't really need to be. The problem was these other people. And, and when I say to people, Hey, don't you think we should not accept that mentally distraught people are the only ones making negative comments and we should try and help them and not just decide that's the way it is. There's so much pushback to be like, no, that's just the way it is. Well, I think there's two things happening. One, there's a disproportionate attack on women. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that I have a friend who, you know, sometimes he's in my videos and he'll um, see a negative comment and become so outraged. Mm -hmm. And I'll just be like, bro, you know, like that's par for the course. So there is as I'm hearing myself speak, an element of complacency when I'm saying I'm so used to it that it, does, it doesn't 
impact my heart. I'm sure it's actually impacting my heart. It has to be on a quantum <laughs> level. But I have a mental gymnastics that I'm doing where I'm kind of working my way through it because, of course, I don't know how to stop it. But I think the other thing that's really worth mentioning is that misogyny is as old as time. Yeah. So this is just another outlet of misogyny. And as a woman that's lived on planet Earth, I've been experiencing misogyny my whole life. So you do have to figure out the tools in order for you to live in a really patriarchal and misogynistic world. And we experience misogyny daily in, in micro doses and macro doses. It really just depends on how you're putting yourself out there. So anyone that's putting themselves out there, if you're a woman, misogynistic undertones are going to be the texture of which you wrap yourself in daily. Mm -hmm. And one of the terms we use on the show, and I'll explain it again to, to, to our listeners, and it's, it's sort of a word I use is, first of all, I think that it is men should be stopping these, we should be holding each other to a better standard. And that's, that's almost above everything that we're doing in this, this documentary. And we, we, we have an interview coming out with Randy Flood, who's this really great guy from the West Michigan Resource Center, him and his son run it. And they, they deal with these guys. They actually, these guys come in and they have to adjust them. And so I think it, and he said it too, it's, it's men need other men to stop them from doing this. But one of the terms we use on the show is the long leash of misogyny. And so the idea is that men are these dogs on a, on a leash. And what we allow them to do is do a lot of things that we accept, you know, as society, not, not just as men as women. We, we, we say, well, it's just misogyny and we're trying to pull this leash in, but it's a long leash. This, and so the point of our, our project is to be like, yeah, you let, we've let this go so far and who knows how we, we don't need any guilt in stopping it. But so when a group like MGTOW is only slightly outside of that long, crazy leash, there's not as much reaction to be like, whoa, this is, this is something we need to address. This is cult behavior. This is getting indoctrinating vulnerable people to be misogynistic, not just societally held beliefs. This is a whole system. And yet when we say that, there's dismissal from both sides, right? People go like, not that you said this, but... It's just misogyny. And so our point is like, MGTOW is not just misogyny, but Tony is right. And that's why we wanted to give voice to this stuff is like, yeah, people say creepy stuff to women all the time. It's not new to the internet. It's just something creepos do. And it, it's something that I'll even say this, everyone says something that upsets or offends someone and who they are. And it's the people that listen and go, oh, I, I can change that, you know? I could say something that upsets Tony in this podcast and I'll adjust. Um, I, I wondered about stalking though as well because we often talk about the negative, horrible things because it's easier to understand. But as we know, there's been a lot. Uh, the number is crazy. It changes all the time. I'll put it in here, audience. Hello, Mike from the editing station here looking up facts. So a big sigh. Unfortunately, this is another one. If you remember, many episodes back, we talked about an infographic that was about 10 years old that started to resurface on the internet. And that infographic was saying, you know, it was this weird stat about how many uh, sexual assaults go are reported that are unsubstantiated, you know, false reports. 
and I was very suspicious of the stat when it was online. And if you heard that episode, which you should be because you're listening sequentially, you'll know that I looked into it and, and talked about a similar problem with stalking, which is that, of course, most stalking incidences go unreported. But I thought I'd take the time to share with you a little bit of what I found. Um, the stat is anywhere between one in three women to one in six women. Um, and for men, it's between one in six and one in 19. It's a difficult statistic to ascertain anyway. Not only are you dealing with unreported stuff, but you're dealing with, when you are dealing with unreported stuff, rather, you're having to predict, you're having to take samples of the population and all these different things. Um, a, a solid fact that I could see um, which is interesting if you don't know what stalking is you might think you know what it is where does that line between whatever stalking according to all these sources is including uh, the justice department is uh, following harassing someone to the point of uh, feeling scared for your life um, now <laughs> I want to talk about uh, what I found and, and I'm going to talk about it in a really roundabout way just, just for a quick second that's the stat between one in, one in three. By the way, another stat that's solid across all of these things, these different studies and stuff that I looked at, um, higher percentage, obviously, in women always, and higher percentage in uh, native people's populations, uh, always throughout this stuff. Anyway, a few years ago, I did a story about um, the, the drug poppers, which is done uh, most often in uh, gay communities as a way to aid sex and I did this whole story and I looked into it why is it illegal all these different things and it was it was an interesting it was supposed to be kind of a mini podcast series that had optional video to it but the most interesting part of the story was the fact that uh, the government the NIH was putting up this two facts one they were calling it inhalant and when I actually talked to somebody at the NIH they're like it's not an inhalant um Two, when they were talking about inhalants, they were sending people to this website, which is what I got when I went to the Justice Department's thing. It's somebody else's website. And the government has a crappy, I'm going to say habit of doing this. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. They send it to, you know, uh, an organization that they know is out there. But A, they're not associated with the government, which I think is not really a smart move to do ever. You know, sending someone to another organization, no matter if you're a company or, or whatever, that you're not associated with, that can be kind of iffy. You, know, you have to keep tabs on them. Um, and so they sent, on their website, when they talk about inhalants, uh, the NIH was sending people to, and I think the CDC as well was sending them to, uh, 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 just a website about inhalant stuff. And when I eventually got through to them and spoke to them, the website was being run by an 80-year-old man who about 40 years ago um, lost his son to, he was huffing, I think, um, a lot of paint or, or things like that, and his son, his son died to it, and he made this, you know, awareness thing, doing school assemblies, all this different stuff. But the government was still sending to get these stats on it, you know, to get info on it, to this, I mean, this website, you know, when you look at websites, you're like, boy, that's from the 90s. It, was, it wasn't even a good website from the 90s. Um, and it was an interesting part of the whole story to finally get through to him. So it's a difficult stat to, to, to track down. But And a lot of the studies are old. Even more modern posts about stalking studies are um, back to stalking, not the old man and his inhalants website. Um, 
It's a difficult stat. Most people are quoting this 2011 to 2000, 2010 to 2012 study by the National Institute, the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey. Um, that's where most people are quoting. I found other people quoting this 2009 study. But for our purposes, I want to throw this in here too. This is 2009 and 10, 11, 12. 60%, 50 to 60% in both these studies are coming from the internet. So I would be really interested to see an updated study. If you have one, reach out to the show. Please do. Back to Tony. How many women a year get stalked? But that's through affection. And affection on the internet and creepy affection on the internet is almost as much of a problem and to me is almost as much of an indicator that someone's got something else going on as the negative stuff you know have you had any experience with that with people you know saying they loved you or things like that about about who you are or or, or how you look like have you experienced things like that as well oh absolutely um you're actually reminding me. I'm like, oh my god, right? That guy and that. And there's been a bu- there's been a bunch, and you also will get a lot of unsolicited, you know, random dick pics that are also, you really? know, quite. Oh yeah, and it's funny because you, the thing about a dick pic, it's not like they come and you're sitting down and you're like, hmm, I'm prepared for this. It's always like you're kind of like making dinner or you're at a stoplight or you're at the line for the bank and suddenly you're like, ah, a dick. Tony, nobody Um, expects the Spanish inquisition. No, you were just not expecting that. But I think, you know, going back to what you were saying about the cult-like aspect and the organizing principle around MGTOW is that what I've come to understand is that organizing misogyny is a big part of the alt-right agenda because misogyny and racism are intimately tied Mm -hmm. together as conjoined twins. So if you think about racism and anti-Semitism, it's like racism is thinking you're superior to a group. Anti-Semitism is blaming a group for your mistreatment. So it's like the Jewish people are running the banks and, you know, blaming black people for being on welfare. Like this kind of thinking is really intimately tied to how women, I mean, how men view women Mm -hmm. because men in this community equally think they are superior to women and blame women for their problems. Mm -hmm. So it's like a conglomeration of anti-Semitism and racism those feelings of both blame and feeling superior to. Mm -hmm. So this is why I think the MGTOW movement and the alt-right, this is all, to me, political brainwashing. Mm -hmm. And it's a means of getting certain political agendas to be passed also. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not, I don't believe that this is something that we should be brushing under the rug or like, oh, it's just a small group of people not to be taken seriously. I think this is a political movement. And, Hmm. you know, they talk about how the men's rights movement is the fastest growing, quote unquote, civil rights Mm -hmm. movement in the world. So, yeah, we can't speak to any. So I'll just let you know, just from, from our standpoint, I won't speak to any group I'm not investigating. So I haven't talked to alt-right members. I haven't talked to men's rights members. They certainly advocate men's rights things and it factors in. So I have to take like your word for, for your opinions on that. Um, 
but when it comes to and that's the thing right about what you're saying is like brushing it under the rug and all those different things it's like because we brush it under the rug a group that looks similar like MGTOW and Red Pill and all these different things because we've brushed the other thing under the rug even with something as you know minimizing and diminutive as well it's just politics and people disagree um you brush that under the rug and then a group that's actively indoctrinating people a group that knows you're going to look for organizers you know one of the things that you will see in the forums a lot is like i'm not men's rights but i fight for the rights of men mm -hmm. okay that's a diversion and why do they do that because it's the same reason why these, these new words come up in these groups we're investigating. Everybody knows incel. It's one of the hardest things we have to push against is that we go and we tell you, this is a new cult, it's a new group, and we'll get, have to talk about incel. Because we have accepted, and this is me a little bit editorializing, we have accepted the idea that this is normal. You know, we, we've accepted the idea that all these things are normal. And so when, when we tell you someone's gone over the line into cult, they know. They know, okay, incel is bad. People will, will say that I'm, you know, they won't listen to me if I'm incel. They won't listen to me if I'm men's rights. Cults adapt. So, mm -hmm. so to speak to the idea of, it, of you know, alt-right and all these organizing things and, and men's rights and all these different stuff is one thing that we're really specific on here is go and, you know, I know, I, I'm not saying this to you talking to the listeners because because I, I think that this hits on a good point go and investigate don't be proud that you saw one article if it's concerning which a lot of these ideas are concerning right um go and like read about them go and you don't have to interact but spy on their forces they're like big tech operates go and see where they're Sarah Steele, who we talked about whether or not our group is a cult. We talked about cults in general. It's not air jet. And she said, well, there's always secrecy. And I go, of course, they're, they're secret. How many how many MGTOW forums do you go on? They're, they're secret in plain sight. Cult is trapped in a hashtag cult, or you have been affected by any group mentioned in this show. Go to hashtag cult.org for resources or to get in touch with the show. We want to hear your story.